board. Well, Craig, it's been a long time. Uh, it definitely has, but there's nothing like a quarantine to uh, bring people together. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so we should probably have a talk with our listeners. Yeah, not to not to be a bad news bearer in the middle of already what's a, a difficult time, but also probably not a surprise since there hasn't been a new episode in about a year. Um, but, um, this is kind of, this is the end of the class nerd podcast. Uh, I have a job outside of the classroom and it, it just felt like I, I would not be, I, w- I would be doing a disservice to our listeners if I tried to talk about workload flows for being efficient inside of a classroom when I'm not there anymore. And, uh, you know, we can talk about that more, uh, in another place, Robbie, what what's the good news right now? Yeah, so I mean, we were talking about a lot of different ways we wanted to handle that, and you know, giving it a break and calling it was the one that seemed like it made the most sense given each of our respective teaching situations. Um, I, however, do have another podcast that is related to the field of education, a little bit more specifically music education. Uh, I do know from uh, some anecdotal evidence talking to some people on some message boards of some mutual favorite podcasts that there are some people who uh, cross over between these two shows as far as listening habits go i would suspect that more people listen to a music education and technology themed show like i would guess that more of those people would listen to a just technology and education show than people who would listen to our show the class nerd who would be equally interested in my music show but um all of that is just one long way of saying that i am regularly producing content over there and i would it's safe to say that like a real solid chunk of that content is in a similar spirit of what we've been doing here on the class nerd uh the episodes feature different guests week to week uh a lot of the topics involve music teaching and technology and the intersections between them, though some episodes are a little bit more focused on tech tools, whereas some episodes are a little bit more focused on music performance or music teaching. Um, But in all scenarios, I'm trying to get to the heart of what makes me and my mutual guests tick creatively and what are the tools that make us the most efficient at being creative professionals. So uh, while it's different guests, uh, Craig has been on frequently and... He joined me recently on an episode that uh, I've published. It's the ninth episode of the show. Although if you've been listening since before I started calling the show Music Ed Tech Talk, uh, it used to be called Robbie Burns and Friends. So I've I've rebranded. Craig is the ninth guest on that rebranded show. And we talk a little bit more about the decision to stop doing the class nerd, but we talk about a whole lot of other things that would have just as easily fit on the class nerd. So, crossover episode? Yeah. So, uh, what you're about to hear is that episode here on the Class Nerd feed um, as as kind of a a thank you for listening and uh, just one final hoorah here. Um, But please go subscribe to Music Ed Tech Talk. It's great. And I will be joining Robbie from time to time there. So, 
Um, you know, and enjoy listening here. Go subscribe there. And um, thank you again. Uh, doing the class nerd was was such a thrill. Um, and I, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. And um, I'm going to get emotional doing this right now. So I will just say thank you again. I hope you're all staying safe and healthy and are washing your hands and um, hope to talk to you soon. Yeah. Stay tuned to us both. We're still both blogging and um, I'm producing my show and I echo all the things that Craig just said. So uh, with that, stay classy and stay nerdy. Welcome to Music Ed Tech Talk, a podcast exploring the topics of music, education, technology, and the intersections between them, with a special focus on the productive and creative process. I'm your host, Robbie Burns. The, the, I think the thing that I was going to say that I, I wanted to wait on the air is because, you know, one of, one of the many longstanding traditions of uh, me and recording podcasts is there's always like meta discussion about what is going wrong with logic in the opening 30 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. I, uh, I know it's been a while since we've recorded, but um, I, this, this felt very familiar. I was right back, right back to it when logic was not working for you. It's, it actually, it works pretty dependably. I just, whatever's going on with my Mac mini is, I, I don't know. So I, I think, I think that was the thing that we were, we were going to start talking about it. And I was like, nope, wait, hold on, hold it. Because one of the things that maybe is worth even just a sliver of conversation is like, I don't want to call it janky, but like, I have a pretty hacked together home automation system right now that absolutely depends on my Mac mini staying on. And there's like two weird Mac mini quirks that result from me having a third party monitor, which is of course your only choice. Right. Um, did I choose the right third party monitor? We can get to that. But uh, I, the first thing that's a weird quirk is that I'm running uh, a couple of different types of servers that kind of like trick. So like Apple has HomeKit, which is their whole protocol for third party home automated devices like lights and speakers and stuff. Well, I have some devices that don't work with HomeKit, so I have to run some servers to trick my network and the Apple Home app into thinking that they're actually compatible with HomeKit. So I run something called HomeBridge, yep. which runs in a tab of the terminal. And then I run another thing called Home Assistant, which is like a slightly more complex cross-platform version of that. It's a similar idea, but it runs a different language. Uh, it's got a web UI, although I think HomeBridge does now too. Um and that is solely for running a thermostat in my house that was in this house when we got it, which is another possibly interesting subject of conversation, but I'll resist for now. Uh, and then we have this thing called, um, it's actually a Mac App Store app called Harmony Bridge, which takes the Har Logitech Harmony Hub from the living room TV, and it tricks the home app into thinking that that TV is a HomeKit enabled TV, and then all of the different options I've programmed into the Logitech remote just show up as if they're like different HDMI inputs of the TV. So I can do cool stuff like control the volume input of my ancient Sony Bravia TV with the up and down volume buttons of my iPhone if I have the Apple TV remote on screen. So there's like cool stuff that happens, but all of that has to run. And it's like every time I reboot the Mac Mini, I have to like go into terminal and type a lot of stuff that's 
I don't know what I'm doing, so I had to write it in an Apple note. So I have this like whole this whole system of these things. And then there's this thing that happens, this is quirk too. Like the monitor, the third party monitor doesn't understand what to do with the login screen of the Mac where you type in your password. So I just, I, I swear to you, I have not figured out how to do it, but somehow it eventually turns on for me. And I feel like enough times it's happened where I should like write down whatever I did to make it work, but I haven't. So I'm just every time. So that was, the, I just unplugged my audio interface and plugged it in my MacBook for the purposes of this recording. So uh, I, we can, we can uh, talk about, home automation frustrations a little bit because uh i imagine uh like like anybody who's going to be listening to this you and i are spending a lot more time at home right now and uh my frustrations with HomeKit have grown a lot lately uh, i tweeted at you the other day that and and a couple other people who I know are much bigger HomeKit users than myself that i was having this issue where if it was on my watch or my phone or my wife's phone, and I requested a HomeKit command via Siri, nothing happened. It would say, oh, I can't find that device. But I could open up the Home app on my phone and go to that, uh, you know, uh, prime example, uh, the lamp in my uh, son's nursery is aptly named Nursery Lamp in Home. And uh, I would say, turn on the Nursery Lamp. And Siri would say, I, I can't find the device you're talking about. And I would go in the home app and there would be nursery lamp right there. Clear as day. And I could tap on it and it would come on. Uh, my iPad could do it. The home pod could do it. And so I tweet at you like, help me. What do, what do I need to do here? And immediately after tweeting at you, it fixes itself. So I'm like, okay, this is great. It's working again. This is awesome. But in light of being at home and now working from home and having a desk in my bedroom and having three children around and a wife and animals and stuff, I got a second HomePod and set it on my desk uh, so that I could use the Dark Noise app and listen to music and do things and not have to have my AirPods in all day to block out the noise from my family. Um and so I get a new HomePod and it's, it's already, it's, it's a contentious pur purchase with my wife. I'll, I'll be honest. She was not thrilled, but I was like, look, there, I've got to do some things. I, I'm going to be working from home for a while, uh, based on what my company has said. I'm, I'm only at, at bare minimum halfway through this. And I highly doubt that it won't get extended beyond that or that I won't just choose to work from home be on that for a while because I'm fortunate and can do that. Uh, and so I was like, I've got to get a few things to make working from home a little better for me. So I'm doing this, but you know what happens when I add a home pod to my home kit set up that it breaks everything again. And now I can't turn on the nursery lamp with my phone or my watch or my wife's phone. And of course you probably, I'm going to, I mean, it's living in your office, so maybe this is less or so, but I'm, I'm imagining that like you talked up buying the second home pod to your wife with this idea in mind, like, oh, it's like this Apple thing. And then now she's probably, if I'm, if it's anything like Mary, Mary is like, why doesn't any of the expensive stuff you bought work? hundred <laughs> percent. And this is the second home pod. The other one that's been in the kitchen since Apple came out with home pods already, like when, when, 
whatever 13 dot whatever uh finally released for the home pod that uh, did the um voice recognition where it knows me versus knowing laura it never knows laura Ever. And so every time she'll say, add something to the groceries list, which is a shared reminders list that she and I both share. So it doesn't really matter which one of us is saying it because it's going to go to both of us. It always goes, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. Bye. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, yeah, even though I, I did the, the whole Best Buy, like they were selling HomePods for like 30% off, which is really all you should pay for a HomePod now any, anyway. Um, agreed. So, and, and I wanted airplay too. I wanted it to sound good. I wanted to just quickly, cause I'm working from a MacBook pro and, uh, that's always in clamshell. And so I wanted to just quickly be able to airplay music from there or occasionally do a phone call on it. Like the, the functionality of the home pod is what I wanted versus another airplay two speaker of some sort that was cheaper. And so it was still the right choice for me. And I'm glad that I did it. But I'm also just like, I just want you to be better. Yeah, they're they're so close. But here's the here's the thing that discourages me because some of these issues are understandable. Like I've I've welcomed into my life a lot more. Like when we moved into the house, I was like, we already had some Sonos speakers, and I was like, okay, I Sonos has some AirPlay two enabled speakers on the market, so we bought one of them, and. So we we kind of like are slowly between Sonos and the HomePods, we're starting to get like audio happening in every room in the house. And because the Sonos stuff today is AirPlay 2 enabled, any Sonos AirPlay 2 enabled speaker in our house can just as easily, you can like send your, you know, your phone's audio to it. So it's nice. You can say like, hey, I'm listening to music on my iPhone um, I want to listen to that at this volume on the dining room HomePod, at this volume on the Sonos Play One in the sunroom, and at this volume on the Apple TV in the living room, which actually has a Sonos Play Bar hooked up through it. So through through the Apple TV, you can kind of get the living room Sonos setup um, also to play along. So we've got this kind of hijacked system, um, and it's glorious. It's like so real. It's so amazing. Except for then. The more devices you add, the more complex it is. And and that's amplified by the fact that they're different brands. So like the Sonos network has to be working in order for the Sonos speakers to even be recognized by AirPlay 2. Um, so I'm in the shower and I'm like, I want to beam my podcast to my it's a Sonos that I tip that I routinely send an AirPlay stream to. And uh it's not working. <laughs> I'm like uh why i go to the sonos app only one of the sonos speakers in the whole house is even being recognized by the sonos app and i'm like this is bananas like this is not obviously not a home kit problem it could just as easily be but there's these layers so and that's the kind of a problem with home automation like even though all of the products that work with it ultimately are conveniencing you by being under the same hood it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that they're still even if they weren't different brands, even if they were all made by Apple, like there's the more stuff is in your home, the more stuff you have to troubleshoot. And then, of course, add on top of that, all the devices that are using Wi-Fi and children using it to do Zoom with their students or sorry, to do Zoom with their classes and, you know, watch movies and educational stuff. It's like just the drain, just even getting the Internet to work right now is it feels like a miracle. Yeah. Is Siri Siri is 
also like recently for me, th- this might make you feel just a little bit better about your recent situation. Um, <laughs> was just recently yeah, there, activated. Was just recently activated on my iPad, which for some reason, sometimes the iPad, because like, I just feel like I'm ranting like an old man now. But like the other day, my iPad wasn't responding to the catchphrase and I was it was driving me mad. I went to the settings. The li- always listening was turned off. And I'm like, I know that I did not turn that off. <laughs> So it's like, has it ever happened to you? Like a, an app you're logged into just forgets your password and logs you out, or like a set, like one little setting knob that you you swear you didn't check. Yeah, is like in an app is like triggered. Like how do you? I just don't know how to avoid that as a human. It's 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 just one of these things. It's like, well, that was such an easy fix, but then like Siri in our dining room HomePod also is recently like pretending that it doesn't know how to do anything other than set timers so like i've been like today i was like turn on the bedroom lights and it said i don't have any idea what your what device you're talking about and just like you were saying they're in home kit i checked some other devices like um you know uh how's the home pod doing play some music and it's totally fine but then but then not only will it do uh music but then what, what, what was the one i tried yesterday i tried to tell it to play the song the chicken and the home pod replied i don't know any songs in your library called the chicken i was very upset this is with my inner dialogue and i'm and i'm like going in through my itunes library there is there are numerous songs called the, like nothing else other than the chicken like no frills not f- by this band by that band featuring this person featuring that person it's just the chicken and i'm thinking to myself you couldn't f- pick one of those chickens to play or go to the then i went on apple music and then like the james brown version is like has like so it's like got you know how they like show you how good of a search result it is with a little little meter obviously the version of the chicken that all apple music listeners tap on right there so anyway whoo i don't there aren't enough hours in the day to troubleshoot siri and HomeKit, and yet here we are. Well, how are your lights working out for you? Are you enjoying them? Uh, you know, in general, it is is very nice. Um, you know, especially so the 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 nursery lamp one is it's just a uh, a wall switch. I think it's a Wemo. I forget. I've got a couple Wemos and a couple that were another brand that were a little cheaper. Which that may be <laughs> that might be the reason why the nursery lamp doesn't work. It may be one of the cheaper ones. I don't know. Uh, I can't remember anymore. But um. You know, it's nice where if I walk in to go wake up my son or, you know, my wife needs in the middle of the night uh, and her hands are full with a bottle, you know, just to be able to turn to our Apple Watch and say, turn on the nursery lamp and then we're good to go. Uh, And we've got uh, both of our lamps in our room. Um, We've got one of those uh, in the kitchen, the Lutron Caseta light switches. I love those. And and I would love to do more of those around the house. But um, when I went to install them, first of all, our house is older than I am, which is, is fine. It's like a year older than me. But, you know, I'm in my 30s. So it, it's an older house, older electricity wiring and things. And uh, I think also maybe a little bit janky when it was originally created to begin with. And so I follow all the directions. I do it perfectly. Nothing works. And we had to hire an electrician to come 
get our kitchen lights working again. And um, I, I still maintain that it was my house's fault and not mine or the Lutron Caseta light switch. But I'm not allowed to install any more of those in the rest of the house, as convenient as it is. Um, which I, you know, is fair. I, I understand my wife's point of view that not only would we have to pay for the expensive light switch, but also probably an electrician to fix what I would do wrong, but it makes me sad. It's definitely, um, understandable. It's, it's a lot of work. I mean, you're, we have a couple of those. We, um, have a person who's really reasonably priced who did some work right when we moved into this house on some stuff. And he was like, uh, yeah, I won't charge you too much to install a few of those. And I was like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the lights, the little bulbs that you just buy, like, you know, single-handedly like the Philips Hue bulbs are so much more convenient. They just run into that issue where if like the light switch is turned off, then they're pretty much inactive. Right. And we've got a couple of those in the living room with lights, uh, with lamps that are kind of hard to access anyway. Uh, just like kind of one behind the couch and, uh, but then I also have one like our front porch light, but I have small children. The amount of times that they just needlessly flip that front porch light switch on and off, I I, I don't have enough words about how frustrated that makes me. So overall, it is nice to have. I would like to have more, but it's also just expensive and unruly with and really, to do a lot of it well, having those switches is better. I will also just say, uh, in defense of myself, like, I have changed out some light fixtures in this house. I have changed out a ceiling fan. Like, I can do some electrical work just fine. But for whatever reason, it was also, it's one of those light switches that uh, there are two of them that control the same circuit. Two on, you know, one on each end of the room. And I think that was a lot of the trouble, uh, that you had to do something special because of that. Anyway, I don't really need to defend myself and my my man card or whatever, but uh, I still did. Yeah, well, that's fair. I wouldn't. I, I'm going to just say I would never try it <laughs> at all. I'm just like I just assume that anything that's behind a piece of drywall is going to electrocute me. Yeah. Uh, I know that's not how science works in my heart, but who listens to science these days in, uh, who in listens the middle of a pandemic? This, uh, in the middle of a pandemic, who's listening to science anyway? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We're we've by the way been talking about HomeKit for 20 minutes. I I do want to say like if if we do eventually later it's not like the first thing I want to definitely chat with you about, but if we do get to any shortcut discussion, I will revisit the topic of HomeKit enough to say that like yes, it's expensive. Yes, all of these issues we're talking about exist, but I wouldn't invest as much time as I did into it and buy the stuff if it overall didn't have like a net worth of like lots and lots more value to me than had you know if i did not have the stuff do you know what i mean like troubleshooting it is a pain but it overall makes my life more convenient man so i'll i'll use that as a transition as if i remember how to podcast because it's been a while but um i i have a shortcut that i run called i'm going to bed and um a lot of times now especially because I don't really want it to run on the HomePod and set an alarm on the HomePod. I do want it to run and set an alarm on my phone and my watch. Um, but so I'll run it, uh, you know, Siri, when you flip open spotlight, it suggests shortcuts that you run at that time of day. And so most of the time it's in there. So I'll just flip down uh, spotlight search on my phone, click 
or tap, I'm going to bed. And it asked me which alarm I want to set, you know, depending on what time I want to wake up. And then it says, um, is Laura going to bed too? And if I say yes, then it turns off both of our lights. If I say no, then it cuts off my lamp on, on my nightstand and it cuts the brightness of hers down so that if she's in the living room, it's not completely pitch black when she walks in. Or if she wants to keep reading, she can, but it's not so bright that I can't sleep. And then it tells um, auto sleep. No, what's the, is that the, is that the app that we use for sleep tracking that you recommended to me? Um, auto, there's auto sleep and then there's sleep watch. Yes. Auto sleep. Auto sleep. Yeah. Shows how much I go back and look at that data right now. Auto sleep. It tells auto sleep that I'm going to bed and to start tracking like the time between that and when I actually fall asleep. Uh, and it just does it. And having that home kit piece along with the alarm and another app integration, it's huge. It's so nice. And I run it literally every night before bed. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's totally worth it. Yeah. That, that was precisely the, my like wake up and go to bed shortcuts were precisely the two I was thinking of when I said that the net value is overall more. Now you have challenged me because I want to explain my waking up in bedtime shortcuts, why I love them, but then also tell you that you may have just solved a problem for me in my nighttime shortcut. Oh, what problem was that? So um, it's the issue of what lights in particular. There's a couple things other than lights that this would influence, but it's what lights are doing if Mary is already in bed or is not yet going to bed at the same time as me. So I have two HomeKit scenes. One of them is called It's Bedtime, and one of them called is called Goodnight. And they mostly do all the same things. Uh, the exception is that Goodnight makes sure that every light is off. So It's Bedtime is ba- based on the assumption that like bedtime is imminent. We're probably already upstairs, um, but you can basically shut the house down. So all the rooms that have baseboard heating have these... Um, have these uh, MISA thermostats hooked into them. They all turn off to save energy. Um, the Honeywell Lyric Alarm System goes into what's called like home mode, where basically it's monitoring all the sensors on the door. Basically, like, you know, if you come into our house, it'll turn on an alarm. Uh, the TV turns off. The temperature in the bedroom, This I, I switched this up depending on season. It's when it was cold, it would like heat it up to a certain temperature. Yeah. And then, and then a bunch of lights turn off in the house. I'm trying to think if any other major stuff happens. Um, so the issue is that if I run this shortcut, cause the shortcut that I usually run, um, I get a prompt at 11 PM on my home screen to run it. But if I don't, it's in the today widget where you swipe to the left from your lock screen and I've got a little it's bedtime button. Um, that shortcut doesn't just run all the home stuff I mentioned. It also does some other things. It puts my phone into do not disturb mode. It turns on my, I use the bedtime alarm, not the regular alarm. Okay. Um, and then it puts my phone volume to 45% and opens a headspace sleep meditation that I run pretty much every night. It's super helpful for me to fall asleep. So 
you may need to show me how to select headspace meditations in shortcuts at some point. I didn't know you could do that. They only expose two okay. to shortcuts. Um, but one of the two is called help. Uh, it's called sleep. I forget exactly what it's called. There's, there's only really two sleep ones I have. Sometimes once shortcuts opens headspace to that meditation, I actually will like back out of it and go to a different sleep one that I like a little bit more recently. Cause it's longer, but yeah. So, so headspace is cool. Um, Lately, I wear my Apple Watch to bed, and I'm using the Auto Sleep app as well. So that's collecting the data, and then the bedtime alarm. I don't know exactly why I use. I think I think I just like. I don't know. It's conceptually. It's I'm going to wake up using it, so it's bedtime. Also, uh, the bedtime alarm does track some sleep data. I think between the bedtime alarm and Auto Sleep, it sort of like smashes together its best attempt at what it knows. It's just that by wearing the watch to bed auto sleep is able to know if i like rolled around a lot at night or woke up in the middle of the night but yeah so this is a problem because if mary is already in bed and the lights are off then the it's bedtime scene is going to actually dim it usually dims the bedroom lights doesn't turn them off so now they're going to come on which is a problem um if she's downstairs and i say it's bedtime then now all the dining room light, like she might be doing dishes or something like all the dining room lights are just going to shut off all of a sudden off on her. You know what I mean? So I like that you have a prompt to, yeah, yeah so, that makes so much sense. So for uh, anybody who's listening, who's not super familiar with how to set up shortcuts, the, the way that I do that is uh, there's an action called choose from menu. And, um, and so I've got the choose from menu and the choose from menu says, you know, you type in a prompt. And so my prompt is, is Laura going to sleep too? And then you fill out, two, I've got two choices, yes or no. And then when you select yes, then you put actions that you want to have happen under yes. And when you put no, you have actions that you want to have happen. So I have just two home kit scenes. Uh, one of them is called Craig bed which means Craig's going to bed, but Laura's not. And so it, it does that in our room where my light goes off and hers dims. And then I think I've got one that's just both of our lights off. I don't even remember what it's called. And so uh, you, ju- it, you just put that choose from menu in the middle of the, uh, the shortcut that you want to use. And you can choose between different home kit scenes based on different scenarios. Yeah, that's um, that's a super helpful. That's one of like my most used options in series shortcuts and perhaps um it's you know it's worth a little bit of explanation i never whenever i blog about shortcuts in, in particular the shortcuts app i always get a little stuck because i'm like okay i'm already starting pretty deep i mean if you're listening to this and you have no idea what the shortcuts app is um and what we just described sounds like a cool thing you should download it it's free apple makes it and it actually it, starting in iOS 13, it's just on your device. It's on your iOS devices. Right. Uh, so you may have just wondered what that strange app was. You probably buried it in a folder with news. Um, so take, although I've been using the Apple news app. Lately. <laughs> I've used it um, so much. I need to, I had it deleted off my phone for a while. And then for some reason it came back recently. I don't even remember. Uh, anyway, shortcuts is like, uh, a way where you can take all these actions that your apps can do and you just drag them in an order uh, and then tap a, a run button and watch as all of them happen simultaneously. So like a, a really characteristically, characteristically simple one that I like to, whenever I'm teaching someone how shortcuts work, is actually I go to that one I was describing earlier where I have my 
master bathroom speaker play a podcast um that's only a three-step action and that is um that goes like such i reorganized all of mine a little bit and did some color coding so there we go listen to podcast in the shower so the first step is from my podcast player which is overcast but pretty much all of the main podcast players have a step that'll basically take whatever you're the most recent podcast you were listening to was and it'll start playing and out of your phone um the second step is a step that uses airplay so it's uh it's called set playback destination two and then it just lets you choose a speaker in your house so i've chosen the bathroom sonos uh and then my third step sets my volume to 63 percent, which seems to be the volume that i can hear it over the shower water but not annoy mary through the door so that's a, a really easy and that i mean seriously like you just the, it, they look like little colorful blocks. You just choose the action and then you drag it into the shortcut body. And then when you run it, all three of those actions happen in the sequence that you drag them. So, but yeah, this this whole idea of having like a one of your actions be a prompt, which then the how you answer the prompt can lead to different steps. It's sort of like building a choose your own adventure. Uh, and I love it because I need to solve this this light problem. What I've been doing lately is I actually... I edited my bedtime scene so that it doesn't do anything with the bedroom lights. And instead I kind of, actually I have kind of like a two part sequence. So I like run that scene. And then what I'll sometimes later do is just run the good night scene, which is the total shutdown. And actually nerd alert. I have a good night scene also on our Amazon echo, which is nearby and you can do some cool stuff with scenes on an echo like for example not only can i say good night and it'll turn off all the lights but the headspace app i'm like a, <laughs> this is like become the headspace power users show i feel like the headspace app can not only like open one or two things it can like open um it can like do a much greater variety of the headspace library but it can, it can also like initiate the session so like i can say good night echo thingy and then it can turn off the lights it can read me a news briefing it can tell me what's on my calendar for the next day and then the calming soothing what's the guy's name andy who does the headspace is it andy andy andy's voice andy just comes right on as soon as alexa is done telling me all my events for the next day how busy i am then andy comes right and he's like but don't worry about that yet i'm gonna soothe you with a sleep meditation and then it's it's all good from there. I just want to point out the contradiction of this being the Headspace power users and you not remembering, hi, I'm Andy. <laughs> Please don't. If if I have, if there's anybody in the UK listening, I'm sorry for that accent just now. I am from Georgia. I'm from the South. I'm not great at that. It's forgiven. Well, I guess I don't, my opinion on that doesn't matter. Hey, can I tell you my I'm awake shortcut yes, too? Yes, please, because I don't have I one like, of these, and I feel like I need one. Okay, it's it's pretty fun. So it um so it, it like reverses some things that the I'm in bed one does. So it turns back off. Do not disturb. And oh, I'll get to my my favorite thing about the shortcut is how it's triggered. Um, I'll get to that. So it then it reads me the weather. Uh, and that's, I use, you can use Apple weather has an action for that, but I use carrot, which is a fun weather app. Um, uh, then, okay. So I take this medication where I'm not supposed to eat. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to be a rude podcast guest and just go back to the reading the weather. 
because I would like this, but how do you square with sharing a room with somebody? Like, is there a, do you want to hear the weather prompt or like, is, if Mary's still asleep, you know, how, how do you, what does that look like for you? Yeah. I, so there has not been a day since Theo was born where they're not already awake in bed next to me and have like he he pretty much is making her struggle like from 5 a.m and on and she usually just lets me like well (laughs) what is time anymore back when i was going to work at the same time every day i would like wake up around 6 50 or 7 and so i don't know there it's usually not a disruption if she's sleeping it's not a it's a very light sleep that doesn't really matter if it's he's already he's ruined like he's usually like in even like in bed and she's just like playing with him at a certain point i don't know our sleep like i'm sleeping the number of hours that is normal but it's not like a quality of sleep if that makes sense yes you know i'm only a few months ahead of you on the newborn thing but sleep is a lot better for sam uh so i i had forgotten that there was that aspect going on for you guys as well and Mary, like, d- takes a lot of the lead in that. And, it, and it, you know, like, there's, like, a lot of his needs also only she can provide. But, like, she does a lot of the changing in the middle of the night and stuff. So, like, she's being, like, really, like, doing me a super solid on sleep. But it doesn't matter. Like, the crying and the, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a lesser quality. Anyway, that's a long way of saying uh, it's it's not an issue. But I would just delete that step, I think, if if it were. So, um, yeah, so the clock starts a 60 minute timer and then a text, I have a little action called text where you just type in some text and then a follow-up action called speak text, which speaks whatever the text is from the previous action. And this action says, take your medication. It actually helps me to have it say that cause I will forget. And then, um, it runs the good morning scene, which is like pretty much the opposite of bedtime. The alarm disarms, the lights turn on downstairs the temperature changes in the house a little bit um i love i would love it to start playing music in the speakers but that was where she drew the line she was like no (laughs) you cannot be rolling around at seven in the morning with stevie wonder playing as much as as much as we all love stevie wonder happy birthday stevie wonder at the day of a recording um well happy birthday i was not aware happy birthday no please don't please edit my singing out of the podcast (laughs) I had to sing Stevie uh, Wonder's then, happy birthday song to him on his birthday, though. I feel good about it. I leave it in. We're good. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, no, no way. No way I was editing that out. <laughs> That's my good morning alarm. What I like most about my, I'm sorry, my good morning shortcut. Uh, what I like the most about it is that you can automate it inside of the shortcuts app to be triggered by so many different things you can automate a shortcut with. But I love that one of them is stopping or snoozing your alarm for the morning so my good night shortcut has set up the bedtime alarm to wake me up around 6 50 or 7 or so the alarm itself if i stop it or snooze it will automatically just start doing all this stuff so pretty much it feels like a zero step process because i'm gonna snooze my alarm anyway so all my lights just start turning on and you know the drill that's that's awesome i i just worry because I do, I, I'm just more of a morning person than Laura is. And so I try and get up before her. Well, 
not intentionally before her, but I try and get up at a certain time and that's generally before her. So I, I got to think through what could be useful for something like that. But I do love the alarm being the trigger for it. So you don't have to think about it. The, I've, I've like really gone wild with some of these shortcuts in particular, these two. And I always am pairing them back. They're, they're always much more meaningful to me when they have only the essentials in them. Like I would, you used to do super fancy stuff. I'd be like, well, what if like, I want to do a workout first thing in the morning. Then the Peloton app should open up next. And like, no, I'd never work out in the morning. Like it was just a pipe dream. So, or like meditate, you know, I have all these, like these things that I get in my head. Like, it would be so cool if I could add one more step to it. And then in reality, like it's fine if it's three steps. Yep. (laughs) Um, yeah. So shortcuts. Well, let's, I kind of want to continue talking about automation, but I want to talk about, a little bit, maybe some Mac automation, but I want to talk about that because you've been using a Mac more lately, but you've been using a Mac lately because of a recent job you got. And the recent job you got is the reason why we haven't been doing our other show, The Class Nerd, recently. So I thought maybe should we talk about The Class Nerd? Yeah. Um, So you and I, back in November, recorded an episode of The Class Nerd that never saw the light of day because neither of us had time to edit it. And we listened back to it, and there was a lot of conversation that was just very of the time. It was the weekend before Disney Plus launched, and we spent a lot of time talking about our expectations for The Mandalorian, which, when we got back around to it in February, just didn't seem like it was worth publishing. Um. But that episode was kind of supposed to be our the the swan song episode because uh, you know the class nerd was our our podcast um, about using uh, these Apple tools in the classroom and as you said uh, back in uh, the fall I took a job outside of the classroom I'm working for an ed, ed tech company now um, and I love what I get to do and it's been super exciting uh, in the pandemic to be able to help um, districts with their um, distance learning initiatives and things like that. So I'm super grateful for it, but I just, A, didn't feel like I had something to offer on the topic of using technology in the classroom in the same way that we talked about on the class nerd and B just, I mean, the time we, we recorded that in November and it was February before either of us even tried to look at it again to edit it. It just, uh, it didn't work. So as much as, uh, it kind of made me sad. I felt like it was time to say goodbye to the class nerd. Um, and so that's, um, that's kind of why we got there and why I'm a guest on Robbie's show instead of us doing another episode of the class nerd. Um, yeah, we thought we would kill two, two birds with one stone. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, as as Robbie mentioned, as part of my new job, I'm now on a Mac instead of, you know, before this, I was running my entire classroom off an iPad Pro. And it's been super interesting, like as iOS 13.4 and uh, trackpad support and the new Magic Keyboard has come out. Like, if I was still in the classroom... N- there, I don't think there is a price tag that Apple could have put on that Magic Keyboard with trackpad that would have been too much for me. It would have been made my life so much better as a teacher uh, working from my iPad. 
that there is a price tag that would have been too high. I don't know what that is, but it it's a figure of speech, but I was working as a teacher. Um, all that to say now I'm on my current job. A, I, I'm, I have to use a work device. Um, I'm dealing with some sensitive data and stuff there. They don't allow us to use it on a personal device for good reason. Um, and, and B, I do, even before the pandemic hit, I spent all day on zoom. My world has been zoom for months and now it's just, everybody feels, it feels like everybody's catching up to me. Um, and one thing that iPads are really not good at is zooming and something else. You can do zoom, but like if I want to take notes on what I'm zooming in another window, can't do it, shuts off the camera. Does it like you, you can't do anything else on that device and zoom at the same time. And for what my job is, that was a big problem. And so I couldn't use my iPad anymore and I am back on the Mac, but I feel just like a complete Mac newbie. Like even though I've been using a Mac since like 2003, something like that, it, because my automation skills came of age on iOS with workflow, with drafts. And we can talk about drafts on the Mac too, because I'm not, I I mean, I have it, but I'm not using it in any way. Um, but because my automation skills came along there, now I'm back on the Mac and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, Alfred and, um, you know, uh, automator and all these things. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. So if you want to impart some Mac wisdom onto me, Robbie Burns, I'm here to learn from you. Um, you know, whenever we would record the class nerd, you would like I always just felt like if I got a little stuck in shortcuts, you would at the least know how to where to point me to go. And I was always so thankful for that. And I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. When you when you go to the Mac, you're gonna be on the Mac and then all of a sudden like I can get stuck in keyboard maestro or the automator and I'm just gonna text Craig and he's gonna solve all my problems. <laughs> And then you're like, no, I'm running like a pretty basic vanilla Mac situation here. <laughs> Just doing my job, what my job requires of me. Um, so no, we should totally talk about that. And, and then I'm going exp- to try to get you so hyped about automation that you're going to like teach. I'm going to tell you the avenues that are cool. So then you can like in a month teach me how to do them better. <laughs> you know, and some of it is just aspects of my job, like, you know, like a lot of businesses, I'm trying not to talk in too much specifics about my specific company. Um, but you know, like a lot of businesses, we use a, a, a CRM or customer relationship manager and, and the tool that we use there, there's no API. There's no, like, I'm just in that tool, you know, and, uh, I use Slack a lot to communicate with my team and I use email to communicate with customers and, or, and then I do Zoom sessions. Like those are the four things that I'm in 95% of the time, I would say. And so figuring out ways to automate things that were not really built to be automated on the Mac 
I'm thinking maybe like along the lines of text expander or Alfred or something like that might be cool. And maybe even keyboard maestro, like, and all these tools, I feel like I have enough automation understanding that I could apply them. I just don't know how they're going to be useful for me. Yeah. So let's go there. Um, So you, well, the first one you mentioned is drafts. Drafts is actually, so I, so, well, let me tie in some things that you said. So I actually did buy the iPad keyboard cover. um, And strangely, I feel like we're like reversing our our roles (laughs) in life because I have been doing 99% of my work on the iPad. Uh, I Recently, an app came out for the iPad called StaffPad. I'll link my review to it in the show notes. Also, I had two friends of mine on two episodes ago. We talked about it for the whole episode. Um, it's a notation editor that is amazing. Like to, It converts your Apple Pencil notation into like professional music notation. Um, it's like... To me, that, that plus like iOS 13 plus iOS 13.4 trackpad support is just... It's just an OS that I feel really comfortable and competent in that I still do some things slower than I would on the Mac, um, but I feel pretty good. And when I was on leave, I used almost exclusively the iPad around the house. It was so easy while holding a baby in one hand to just carry around a tablet. And then for the first time ever, when I got back to school after leave, it actually was starting to stick. Like I actually was putting it, not just using the tablet part of it in band rehearsal as a music sheet music reader like i used to but like i was actually typing on the ipad and using ios when i would sit down to do tasks and email and stuff so so it's it's really starting to stick for me um draft obviously is an essential part of that workflow um because of how well it's implemented on the mac and how much feature parity there are there is mixed with the fact that i am using my iPad a lot like a Mac with this new keyboard and these new OS features. I would say use drafts on the Mac exactly the same way you would use it on the iPad because like I was amazed when he um when Greg Pierce also who has I'll link his episode in the show notes he was a guest on the show numerous seasons ago. Um he when he released the feature for the Mac where you could actually like trigger actions on your text. Let me let me back up. If you don't know drafts you probably have never listened to the show before or my show with Craig, the class nerd. But um, Draft is an app that you, it's like a note-taking app that you just instantly get transported to a blank screen. Very zen. You type your note. It's meant to get you straight to the taking your thought down part of the process without fiddling with a note app. And then once you get a bunch of these like little snippets, these drafts of text, then you have a series of actions you can run on them that can do the most of them send the text to an app so like hey make this a message to my wife or make this an email to this person or you can get really powerful like um take it and run you know a javascript on it um so anyway so the mac version of drafts didn't have the actions at first then it got the actions and it was amazing when it got the actions literally like 95 percent of them just worked on the mac because the UR, the URL schemes that are underneath the actions um, were consistent enough on both platforms. Like, for example, in drafts, I have this one action that will take a text note that I've stored and it will just send that to my task management app, OmniFocus, as a task. So, like, if I type, don't forget the milk, 
since it's OmniFocus. Well, on the Mac, the actions that I had set up on the iPad synced over iCloud. And then whatever like fancy business was underneath of that send this to OmniFocus action on iOS is the same way that OmniFocus would work on the Mac. So like it just works. You just send it there and it goes there. Same with the Ulysses app, which I write blog posts in. Same with day one, which is a journaling app. The message, send this to a text message feature worked the same. The send it as an email feature worked the same. Like I'm looking at my draft actions here and almost all of them just worked on the Mac day one. I wonder, do you, remind me, do you use Slack at, in, in any way? Do, are there any Slack actions? I don't have any, but my music team does use Slack to communicate. Um, I'm going to have to look and see if, if, because I think, because I have different people on my team that I just use iMessage with, others that I use Slack. I wonder if I could just create like a workspace of different communications and start them all in drafts. I think you could. Yeah. I don't know how extensive the support is, but Slack's APIs are pretty robust. Oh. The thing that's the thing that's cool is that um the stuff that doesn't like there's some shortcuts integration in the iOS version of drafts, and there's no shortcuts on the Mac, so you don't see those actions on the Mac. But then on the Mac, there's now recently been added Apple script support. And you don't have those actions on iOS. So like some just through process of stealing people's custom actions from the drafts website, I have like on iOS, I have something that will take my draft and send it to the, to the notes app on iOS using shortcuts. Well, on the Mac, I have that same action, but it just does it with Apple script. And so it looks nearly the same to me, even though it's a totally different automation tool. Interesting. Yeah. And I apologize because I just went down a rabbit hole on the uh, drafts forums, um, just trying to figure that out uh, about Slack. But uh, and you may have mentioned you can select which, which actions you can keep the same action, but select which actions happen on iOS versus on the Mac so that it, it it's not two separate actions. Well, the way I have it set up is just that it does show me the same list of actions, but some of them like if it's, it involves Siri shortcuts yeah. on the Mac side of things, it will not sh- on the iOS side, it will not show that action on the Mac. But then alternatively, Apple script actions on the Mac will not show up on iOS. So I've, what I was just saying a second ago is that I've just basically like duplicated them. So like my add this to Apple notes action on iOS uses shortcuts, but it uses Apple scripts on the Mac. So now, if you want to automate Slack, should we talk about Alfred? Yes, please. Okay. So Alfred is... And there's lots of stuff like there's the automator. If there's time, we'll talk about keyboard maestro, but my favorite automation app on the Mac is Alfred. And it is an app that you map to a keyboard shortcut. And then it pops up uh, something much like the spotlight on Mac, uh, just a little gray rectangle. And then at its basic level, you're using it in the same way you would use spotlight to search for files on your computer. Um, But Alfred is a a little, it's got some smarts. So it will remember frequently accessed files and order them in that order. So if you look for a file called students list over and over again, and you, you know, you keep selecting it once you're searching it, then when you type the trigger for Alfred and you type the letter S, you'll see that 
it starts to learn, hey, you want the student list, right? So just by typing the letter S, it'll pop up student list as the first search result. Now, Alfred has a ton of other features baked into it that Spotlight doesn't have, but then you can actually add your own custom workflows. And like with draft actions, you can steal these from user forms. You can take really advanced ones that other people have built and you can implement them. Now, my I would use... Um, there's a couple things I pr actually prefer about Alfred to the spotlight that are default behavior. Like it's default behavior for if it doesn't know what you're typing is to do a Google search. So with spotlight, you have to like, I think it's command B will take whatever you typed into it and search it on whatever your default search engine is. Um, Alfred, if I just start type, if I type a really ridiculous thing that just comes to my brain and hit enter, my muscle memory is, is like just trained to know, hey, that's going to search Google for it. Um, I also like that you can, the dictionary and the spelling features and some of the other Alfred features are more like using a natural English kind of thing. So I can type into Alfred's spell and then a word, and then it'll pop up the dictionary result. And then I can hit command C and copy the words, correct spelling to my clipboard and paste it somewhere. You can also say define this word. I don't know how to actually tell spotlight to define a word like if you type in a word the dictionary will be a search hit but it'll sometimes be you know like 10 to 20 search results down whereas if you just tell alfred define this word it will uh and then i've got a lot of app like search or run an action in an app kind of workflows so for example i've got um an action that will search OmniFocus, which is great. I'm glad that I have that. But one of the minor downsides of Alfred is it can't be my only search bar that I use because certain third-party apps can access Spotlight that Alfred doesn't see quite, quite the same way. So like OmniFocus exposes its database, all of its tasks and project names to the Spotlight. And you can even get a visual representation of them that looks like OmniFocus when you hover the mouse over them interesting um alfred for some of these third-party apps requires you to have like special search plugins so a good another kind of frustrating example is like drafts like for me to search drafts i have to i have a draft plugin that is i invoke alfred and then i type in the letter d and then a space and then i can start searching drafts which is a little frustrating so i, I still for like my spotlight is like my main searching um so there is a particular app we'll get to later that I definitely, like anytime I'm searching Spotlight, I definitely want this app to be included in that search. Um, so so Spotlight is still my main jam, but Alfred is more for like performing actions. So let me give you a few more examples. Um, my One of my favorite ones is called Messages. And you natural you natural English type, it's like typing to Siri. It's like typing what you would say to Siri. You invoke Alfred and then you say, message Craig, yo, what's up, enter. And then in the background, without even opening the messages app, it just bloop, sends you that message. Oh, that's nice. I've got another one that does it for email. It's called mail to. It might only work with Gmail, but you type an at symbol and then you type a name of a contact that's in your contacts list. And then you type the body of the email and then you hit enter. And then it just sets up the email for you all in one step. 
See, this is super helpful. So I've I've had the free version of Alfred installed for for months now, and I've used a few things like used it as a more advanced finder uh, or more advanced version of Spotlight to to find certain files. And I also like that you can just use it as a calculator um, without having to open up a calculator app. But I haven't pulled the trigger on purchasing the full version because I just haven't really understood what the workflows could do for me. So I think I'm going to have to do this at some point. Those are two of the ones that really are, I scream on the inside when I invoke them and do those because it's just so fluid. You don't even have to, like the computer is like, like, I, I don't I don't know how to say this. Like it just becomes totally transparent. Like it doesn't even exist when you do those things. Like it goes straight from your brain to an action yep. in the real world. I like Giphy has a workflow where you can like search the entire Giphy database right from when it, within Alfred and then copy it, a GIF to your clipboard. Um, searching specific websites is super handy. Like I can type into Alfred Amazon space and then my search queue and then it'll just search. It'll take me to Amazon's website as if I had searched that. Super handy for also uh, Google Drive, which I use in my school district. So drive space and then my search queue will just search Google Drive on the web for it. Yeah. I'm going to be digging into this more here soon. This is the one that I've saved for last. I've got a Slack workflow that allows you to jump straight into direct messages and Slack channels from Alfred. Oh, yep. Okay. Yep. I'm going to, I need this. I will share links to, oh gosh, it's going to take so long to make these show notes. I will share links to every one of these workflows I have mentioned in the show notes. Uh, They are really easy to install. Also, you can run uh, an Apple script or um, uh, an an automation from the automator in Alfred. So like I have this thing I do sometimes on the Mac where I'm drafting a blog post in a text editing app and I want to see them. I'm writing in Markdown which if you don't know what Markdown is, listen to, I think two or three episodes ago, David McDonald came on and we talked a lot about paperless iPad workflows, but we talked about Markdown. It's basically a shorthand syntax for writing HTML code, but it's really useful for people who write blog posts for like shorthanding headings and subheadings and lists and things. Um, So if I'm like writing in Markdown and I want to see what the end result of that formatting will look like, I'll open an app called Marked for the Mac which is actually a pretty fun nerdy app you would appreciate. I I and... uh, I have marked back from long ago before I switched to iPad only, and I I still own it. Uh, I don't use it much because I just don't work in Markdown like I used to. But it's a great app. Brett Terpstra. Brett Terpstra has a couple of Apple scripts that will open whatever text document you're looking at in marked, and those are super easy to trigger from Alfred. I just have them on a little folder of scripts. And Alfred knows what they are, even if I mix up, because I think I've named them weird things like this one takes, this one says open blog in marks to open blog. Oh, because what app I added in a couple of different writing apps. So I think like the title of each script includes the word marked because it's going to marks, but it also includes the title of the app I'm working with. It doesn't matter if I mix up the order of what I'm typing. It always pops to the top of the search result list, what I'm trying to do. Like I'll IA writer is the one that I, I, I use that to blog pretty regularly. And I, I like, 
I do invoke Alfred, IA writer to marked, and then boom, enter, done. That's uh, that's pretty great. I, you've convinced me. I'm gonna have to spend some money. I may wait a, a few days since I just spent some money on a new HomePod, and uh, I don't want to make my wife more mad, but uh, I, I'm I'm gonna do it. I am here for you on this journey of Alfred. I went through like my I, my last every now and then I just like scour the internet for cool Alfred workflows, and this past fall was definitely one of those times. So let me ask you a question. I want to believe it's possible for me to ask you this question and then us not talk about it for a half an hour. <laughs> Are, what is, because it connects to this actual topic that we're really discussing right now. What task app are you using right now? Things, but very lightly. Um, I, I mentioned um, our CRM that, that I use at work, and uh, we're actually in the process of updating to a much newer, better version of the same CRM where it can remind me, like, you need to reach out to this customer about this thing. Like I can use it as my task manager. And then it keeps up with when I have been in touch and what I've been in touch about. And uh, which, so I have that full history there as well. And so that's really kind of what I have been needing. And I'm very excited about that. So things is, things is still my task manager. I have things on my Mac. It's right next to Outlook and I have it on my phone and my iPad and my watch, but it's, it's usage. I, I could probably go to reminders for how I'm using it. So the challenge with, for me with reminders and Todoist, which I recently took a little bit of a dive into, um, is that both of them don't have any kind of concept of, Hey, I want to be working on this task today. So show it to me and a sort of a date today view or a forecast, but it's not actually due today. Yeah. So don't like turn red or show me a time that it needs to be done by, but definitely show it to me. And that was, I, I really, really like Todoist a whole lot. It integrates with a calendar app I use called Fantastical. And I like the natural language input where it's like, you know, um, take out the trash tomorrow at 2 p.m. It ought, that is enough for it to know to add the 2 p.m. due date. But I just really need to have what things and what my current one do, which is OmniFocus, which is where you like, you can just have a list of things that is on a today list and they don't have to be due necessarily. Now, things does something. I swear, I swear this connects to automation. Things, if you go to the next day and you didn't do something on your today list, it just like keeps them all on your today list. Yes, which is right. which is why I switched to things to begin with. That was what I love about it. And I will say that like as much as I kind of wish that things had like a subscription pricing and that the phone and the iPad app were the same instead of two different purchases because of shortcuts reasons that we don't have to get into one nice thing is I have just paid for things on all three of the devices. There's no recurring costs. So if I want to keep using it in a basic way over reminders, I can do that. You know, it's not a big deal. And so I do, I haven't switched, but uh, I think now if I had it to do over, I would probably just stick with reminders instead, especially because the Mac version of things is 50 bucks. But um, that, 
that piece though is my favorite thing about things uh, what you just mentioned about it just rolls over to the next day yep and that's the only real it's like probably the core hang-up i've had with omnifocus over the years is that omnifocus will show will not any longer show you something that was yesterday um because it's looking at a today assignment as not being like hey this is like something i just want to be working on keep it here like so that's on my radar it's thinking of it as more as like a time or a date that something becomes available for you to do which is useful but not as much to me because if i look at my 1000 tasks in omnifocus I'd say like 950 of them are technically available to me right now, but I don't want to be thinking about or doing them all at the same time. I just want like five to 20 of them that are always in view. So anyway, um, the new beta for OmniFocus actually has JavaScript automation baked into it. And you can basically, I know it seems possible that you could just take uh, that implementation and write it in JavaScript so that, if something you know if you make something um show up on your what's called the forecast view then and it becomes the next day then it would just stay it would either stay on your forecast view or it would do something that omnifocus does where it tags it with a tag called the today tag which forces it to show up on your today view even if it has a defer date of a previous date yeah so anyway um that's that's another automation avenue that i'm looking to exploring um you don't one one day I swear I'm going to get you back on that train and then we'll automate together in OmniJS land, which is the name of their fork of JavaScript. <laughs> I mean, the, the main, the other main two that people talk about are like Keyboard Maestro and, and Hazel. And Hazel is an app that like manipulates files automatically on your hard drive. You know that, that what that one's all about. And then Keyboard Maestro is, I think, literally capable of doing almost anything on your Mac. I would highly suggest you check that one out. Yeah, I, I should just watch some YouTube videos and, and see what it's capable of. But And I do – I have Hazel, but the way I work with files, most of them live, again, in that CRM. So it's – yeah, it, I have it. It runs. It cleans off my desktop if if any file stays there for too long. It empties my trash. That's about all it does. But I owned it before, and it was like five, ten bucks to upgrade to the newest version. And so I just did that, and I use it, but not – not extremely. I know that you can do fancy stuff, like have it recognize, like if you download a bill from say like, like Baltimore gas and electric is who does our gas and heating bill. Um, sorry, our, our gas and electric bill. And the, you know, I know that you can do stuff like have it look for those words inside of the PDF and then know to like file it in a particular folder where you keep bills. I, I know that stuff's possible. I just never have gone that far for me. It's like what you said, basic things like, hey, if this document has been sitting on my desktop unopened for, you know, 30 days, then trash it or move it to the documents folder. Yeah. But yeah, Keyboard Maestro might be how you automate Slack a little bit because Keyboard Maestro does stuff like pause and, and like presses key. It, it presses keys for you. It, key, it does keystrokes. So you could do things like um, I had one where uh, I'm like really bad at filling out tedious forms and I have this rental loan agreement that all of my band students fill out who rent an instrument at home at the beginning of each fall and i had this thing i wrote a keyboard maestro where i would like it would show up a prompt that would ask me for the kid name the instrument name and the serial number and then it would just fill it would like open the finder duplicate a template of the loan agreement form open it fill out all the necessary form fields 
close it, save it, and then retitle it the name of that kid, and then delete the original template. So it it was like kind of kind of cool to watch it all happen, and it really like required next to no knowledge of how to use it because you're just take again like with shortcuts you're just taking a library of actions and you're dragging and dropping them in the order you want so like one of the actions was type this key one of the actions was type this key one of the actions was pause five seconds so on yeah well maybe uh we can get back together at some point and discuss how i'm using it down the road yeah it'd be awesome um okay app of the week album of the week we can power through this. I don't have my. I, I'm still processing my album of the week, so I'll be short on that one. But do, do you have an order you want to go through these? Okay, sweet. So I have been using an app that received some love. You'll. I'm gonna take it back to the class nerd for a moment. This is an app that we discussed uh, for a little while one or two particular episodes, which I will link to in the show notes. And this app is called Devin Think. <laughs> and I just, I think it, honestly, I just have been trying it again lately. And my main issue with it before was that iCloud syncing was a mess. It's still really slow, but it's now working correctly. Like all three of my devices sync the database. Um, the iOS version is ha- giving me some trouble, but like on the Mac as a tool for just dumping every single computery thing into and being able to find easily with search, it's a dream. Like I'm no longer differentiating between website articles, text notes, documents, or any of that stuff. Like I'm just, is it a, a website I'm looking at? Save it into DevonThink. DevonThink will save it as a web archive and make all of the text of that website searchable. Is it an email? Sure. Drag it into DevonThink. Text searchable. Is it a document? Drag it into DevonThink. Is it a PNG image? Drag it into DevonThink. DevonThink will turn it into a text searchable PDF. So like for years I've wanted I've had projects in my life where I wanted to like be looking at documents and websites and emails but like in the same group rather than bouncing between different apps. And this is a perfect tool for like, like if you're, for example, like for me, when I um, take my band to adjudication, there's lots of emails and Google docs and, you know, Microsoft Word things flying around. Like I could save those all in a group in DevonThink and see them in line and in association with one another where it doesn't feel like I'm really like bouncing between different places on the web I've, I've just got them all under the same hood and the search is ridiculous like you just it always finds what i want and you can tag stuff I'm, I'm kind of using it honestly like the same way i used to use evernote but but with a stronger emphasis on putting documents inside of it unless it's a document that i update on a regular basis yeah I, i've heard really good things about that app so uh glad you're able to use it like that that's awesome I've been recently saving Animal Crossing themed TikToks to Devin Think. <laughs> and literally, <laughs> because I want to build my dream island and I don't want to forget a video, a 10 second video tutorial someone made on how to properly water my flowers. So I save it to Devin Think. And sure enough, as a web archive, like it finds it <laughs> when I search, even though it's a video. 
I, uh, I have not gotten on the Animal Crossing train. I don't have a Switch, and they're impossible to find right now. So I'm, I'm kind of glad for that because I feel like it would, it would consume everything. So, so my app, uh, I mentioned it at the very beginning of all this when we were talking about the HomePod, but uh, the Dark Noise app on iOS. Um, have, have you used this? I was going to ask you about it when you mentioned it. I have not heard of this. Um, it is the best white noise app that I have ever seen. Every other white noise app. The UI is terrible. There are ads everywhere. And this one, I mean, it's like three bucks, four bucks. You know, it's, it's not unreasonable in any way, but it's not free, unlike some others. But it uses all the latest iOS technologies. So it's got shortcuts and you can, you know, build in using white noise. You could put it in as part of your going to bed routine. You could, you know, if you want to sleep with sound on and have it play through a home pod, something like that. Um, it's super user friendly. The sounds are great. The UI is incredible. Um, and when the pandemic hit, the developer put, made, uh, opened up the test flight beta to anybody. He opened up as many spots as Apple would let you, have um just for people who are starting to work at home and trying to figure it out and uh, i just i got on the beta and fell in love and was like oh my gosh i'm I'm gonna pay him four bucks for this thing um and so it is so nice to uh i just have a couple catchphrases uh with the home pod and i'll tell it which sound i want to listen to and it puts it on on the home pod automatically for me um and uh, I, I and he's adding new features to where you can mix sounds together and automate what volume different sounds start at when you start them via a shortcut and all sorts of great stuff. So uh, really, really recommend Dark Noise if you need a white noise app. This has got everything. Yes. It's got heavy rain, drippy rain, thunderstorm, distant thunder, rain, creek, river, waterfall, underwater, fountain, shower. I, I Ooh, oddly the find the office sounds really soothing. As someone who used to work in an office and is now in my bedroom, I turn on the office one a lot. It's just like keyboards clicking and occasionally someone walks by and like it's it's really nice. And I don't know why, but I love it. I wonder if this we do what um, we do white noise. We have we actually have this thing called a what is it called? It's for Theo. It's called a I want to say it's called a hatch maybe. It's like a little white noise hub that you can control from your phone. And, you know, he's he's still in our room. I I think we're going to have to buy a hatch once he starts sleeping in his own room because I don't really sleep with any kind of white noise. But I'm it is a very, very heavy white noise machine. And, I mean, obviously this could be a really good solution as well. So I'm glad you mentioned this. This is such a nicely designed it's app. It's such a great app. Yeah. I, I, and I didn't think – I had heard on podcasts, like when this app came out, I was like, I mean, I don't use white noise a ton. And I mean, how great can a white noise app be compared to a free one? But I got on the test flight for this thing and I was like, I get – I understand the hype now. Yeah. Right on. Very, very cool. See, you could add a step to your bedtime shortcut that starts playing this through the HomePod. Yep. Yeah. And 
and play it with a timer. So you could say play it for 30 minutes and then stop. And not just in the shortcut, Mm. Dark Noise has actions that are like play this sound for this amount of time and it can just do it. It's not reliant on shortcuts wait action. This is truly a premium white noise app. Truly. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Solid pick. Um, I don't have much to say about my album of the week. I've just been listening to the new Fiona Apple and it's, it's just every, she is precisely the right kind of and amount of weird for my tastes. And, um, I'm just like eating it up. I, I, you know, I'm going to add it to my Apple music right now. I'm going to do it because I, I've heard such good things and I don't know why I think just because of weird quarantine bubble, I've just kind of missed adding it. Uh, and and like similar musical ideas thread the songs together, but not in a way where it's like she's intending to do it like a conceptual way, like a concept album, like just like it's clear that she was just it seems to me like she was just writing these songs with similar themes on her mind and similar musical ideas running through her mind. But that she's not like it doesn't sound like she's making a conscious effort to show you, hey, did you know that like that was like a a motif from the previous song. Like it's not that kind of thing. It's just that um, from song to song, you just feel like a, a musical thread, but not an overt one. Yeah. Oh, look, one friend listening uh, in Apple music and it's, there's your, there's your face. You are listening to this album. That's, my, that's me. Yes. There I am. So I'm going to go maybe a little less weird, but a little more obscure. Um, one of my probably, all-time favorite artists is a singer-songwriter that lives here in Nashville by the name of Sean McConnell. And he's written uh, country songs for, you know, some of the biggest artists, Tim McGraw, other, other big country singers. But Sean himself is just an incredible singer. And then his songs uh, are amazing. And he came up with an album since this quarantine launch called Live at the Basement East. And I love this album for a few reasons. One, I was at the show that it was recorded at uh, back when we could still go to concerts. And so it takes me back to a happier time. And I know that I would be willing to bet that no one else who's listening to this podcast was at that show in Nashville. Um, So there may be some sentimental value only for me, but it has some of his best songs all together. So you get a good sampling of his music. Um but yeah, the, it was recorded back. Uh, I know my wife was very, very pregnant, like seven, eight months pregnant. And our son is now 10 months old. So it's been a little while. I think it was back in April or May of last year. Um, and uh, incredible live album. And then also um, back at March 1st or 2nd, again, time is irrelevant. Uh, we had a really bad tornado come through Nashville and my family and I are blessed that it was several miles from our house, but the basement East was destroyed the venue that this was recorded at. And so it's kind of this picture of this venue too. So it, this album is very personal to me almost that I don't know, you know, but I also want other people to hear Sean McConnell and it's my album of the week. I've been listening to it a ton. And so I pick what I want. You've provided a good context. Cause I, I will appreciate listening to it way more knowing that all of that about it every once in a while i think i can hear myself laugh so you you've heard me laugh a few times let me know if you think you hear me in the audience in between songs he'll make a joke or something yeah that's good it's like um it's like a where's waldo yeah where's craig yeah 
songs. If you if you're like I, I don't know what to check out, uh, the song Shaky Bridges is a great one, and I don't want to know. Oh, and Queen of St. Mary's Choir. Those three, top three on the album, but listen to the whole thing because it's awesome. Cool. Well, um, that brings us to a close. I think we talked, We I think we knew we would talk about automation this much. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. I'm surprised we had the stamina during everything that's going on in the world, but then again, I'm not. Well, I, as with the, like the troubleshooting the home kit stuff, I... There's definitely a capacity for this kind of creative tinkering that I have right now. And it has a lot to do just with how much free time is in my day. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but like... Absolutely not. But <laughs> I also have... <laughs> I have way more children than you, so... Yeah, it's like three. Yeah. Three, three, three times, times the number plus of children. Plus, my job is, is way busier um, right now, so... Two, two of your children talk and walk. And argue. <laughs> and argue with each other. Uh, yeah, school is interesting. I mean, it's been mentioned in the past three or four episodes as I have been talking to a handful of people who are still in the field of education. And um, it's it's like it's just it's like the wrong amount of routine for me. Like I definitely have online check ins with my students that I'm doing and I'm definitely grading work. Um but the timing of them is like inconsistent and the amount that I grade, like I, I have enough, like I sort of am designing some parts of my schedule and I'm also choosing my assignments um, enough so that it's like, I, it, you have to kind of tweak as a music teacher, like band isn't what it used to be. Yeah. So I sort of like, depending on what I assign them, it d- dictates like what my grading is going to look like. Like two weeks ago, my student, I have a student teacher right now. It took us every spare minute of our week just to grade this assignment that I gave. And then last week was like no time at all. So anyway, it's so, yeah, it's different, but no, I'm sure. So you're like, you're on the clock. And yeah, from the moment my kids wake up at 7 a.m. until they go to sleep at 7.30-ish p.m. I'm uh, and working and all that in between. It's a... it's crazy. All right, Craig. Well, um, given that, uh, you know, we're not doing the class nerd right now in our lives, um, I'm going to be having you here more often. And those who love what we were talking about should definitely check out uh, other episodes you have been on. Uh, we talked about task management a couple of seasons ago. And then uh, your first episode you were on the show actually was also about this topic of automation. So I will link those in the session notes as well as a link to the class nerd podcast which while we are currently not making that show uh if you're a music educator looking to enhance yourself technologically it seriously like i'm very very proud of our i i agree yes um if you if you like there's really nothing you wouldn't like if you like this show if you think that this show gets a little bit rambly um, and has too much b-roll in it then you'll love the class nerd it's very tightly edited and focused um, always trying to bring really, really applicable tech tips into the teacher's life. And if you like the bantery stuff, you'll still like it because it's just, you know, it's like literally the same two people you're listening to right now. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been fun to, to talk to you again, Robbie. I've missed it. Since it's going to happen again soon, um, I guess until then, stay classy. And stay nerdy.
Hey, if you are joining us from the Class Nerd feed and you're still hanging around, it's me, Robbie, and I just wanted to let you all know that I think that our next episode of Music Ed Tech Talk is going to resonate with a lot of you. I am having on the orchestra teaching colleague at my school, and we are going to talk about how we use FileMaker to assess students' design curriculum and uh, keep track of all of the different sides and elements and dimensions of our music program. Uh, I know that FileMaker was a popular topic on the Class Nerd, something that a lot of people wrote in asking for more information on, and that episode is going to be just that. It's going to be a little bit of some philosophy behind the teaching ideas that we have that led us to needing to use something like FileMaker, but then it's going to also be all about like what actually is FileMaker accomplishing for us. So uh, I hope you'll check it out. Thanks for joining us.